0: Hey everyone welcome to the happy flosser podcast my name is billy lunt i am your host and i am here to talk to you about all things dental hygiene to support you on your journey through the dental hygiene program welcome so glad to have you anything that you're going to do in life has to have some level of risk involved and dentistry is no different. You manage risk in all aspects of your life. One of the earliest examples that I can mention is when you got your driver's license. When you first learned how to drive, you were told that distracted driving and speeding are two of the main risk factors that cause accidents. And so to mitigate the risk of getting in a car accident, You were instructed and encouraged to avoid those two things. So in everything that you do in life, there's a level of risk just naturally occurring, and then there are things that you can actively do in order to manage that risk, and dentistry is no different. And so in this episode, I'm hoping that we can talk about some of those main strategies that you can implement to reduce your risk. Now, this is not just risk to harming the patient but also risk to losing your license just like when you're driving a car by distracted driving and speeding you can actually harm someone else but you can also lose your rights as an operator of a vehicle the same holds true in dentistry so i want you to think about those things in a parallel way it really helps understand the whole concept of risk management a little bit better So when you are thinking about what action steps you can take to manage your patients, you're not only thinking about the physical things that you do with your patients that have risk involved, but some of the other things that are involved with the whole aspect of patient care that you need to consider, that ad pi model, things that happen during the assessment, during the evaluation, during the treatment phase, during the diagnosis phase things that either do happen or do not happen, but should happen. So these are the things that you want to learn how to manage in and out of the operatory to reduce your risk, not only risk to harming the patient, but also risk to losing your license. So those are the two big main branches of why we have risk management protocols. So this is what we're going to talk about. The idea is that through your care and services to patients, we are treating patients to help prevent disease and treat infection. And there is some level of risk involved with doing those procedures. If you're using local anesthesia, there could be inadvertent side effects or allergic reactions. Sometimes things happen. Maybe a patient gets a cut on their tongue when they swallow while you're using the ultrasonic or something. All kinds of things happen is to help you understand your role in the management of risk. Risk management, by definition, is the process of monitoring healthcare delivery activities, so the things that you provide for services, in order to prevent or minimize financial losses from claims or lawsuits that arise from patient care or other activities conducted in a healthcare facility. So managing those risks, first identifying the level of risk and managing those risks go a long way at helping prevent any kind of financial loss or lawsuits in the future. Now I know some of this is redundant and you've been hearing it the entire time that you've been a student enrolled in our program, but your record keeping, uh, the better your record keeping is, the better your risk management is. So minimizing the exposure um, and well-documented record keeping really helps keep things at bay. So your medical history, you wanna follow up on yeses and no answers, right? So you learn that in clinic one. Ask your questions differently to get correct information, so further findings, right? You want to identify those areas where maybe you need to change the way you were to question so that you can get the correct information from your patient and the medical history should be updated at each visit to minimize risk. Sometimes if that's not updated, you could be treating a patient who has an elevated risk and you are unaware of that risk. You also want to document the conversations that you have with other health professionals you've contacted a physician to determine if your patient needs a premedication or if they're safe to treat and they provide that permission and allowance, they give you a clearance, you want to document that so that down the road, you have an understanding as to why you proceeded with treatment. You want to also make sure that the exam is documented in any dental history. If you say that you took updated bite wing x-rays, you also want to note that the doctor reviewed the radiographs, right? Not that you just took them, But that the doctor reviewed them. So for example, if the doctor did not do an exam today at the appointment for whatever reason, but you took updated bite wings, you would then want to make an additional note in the chart after the doctor does review the radiographs to show that those radiographs were reviewed. Uh, This is a great way or great example of good record keeping to minimize risk. You also want to document treatment plans and acceptance, or if a patient declines treatment, you want to document that they've declined treatment that you've presented, right, thorough treatment plans, but you also want to document the why behind their reasons for not proceeding with treatment so that you have good record keeping. And if you refer a patient to another office, you want to document that as well and why. And it is your responsibility to follow through with that. And so um, the medical record has a trail on everything that those patients need. So that is a really good way to manage risk as well. All of your entries have to be legible, in black ink preferably, and everything has to be signed. I think that has been uh, something that's been really drilled into each and every one of you. Uh, no blank spaces between records and you want to record all your cancellations late arrivals and changes of appointments and that is usually done in the software in today's dental world uh, but if it's not the other thing you can always do is add a clinical note or under the service codes if you have a code in your office for a canceled or moved appointment you can under the service codes just add some information to that so that over time you have a trail for that uh, you also also want to document comments that your patients make that are around the concept of risk, just so that you have documentation of everything that's talked about, discussed, and reviewed, and also HIPAA, of course. It's really important to anticipate potential for risk and put together some strategies to minimize the occurrence, and a quick example I can come up with for that is if your patient has anxiety or maybe they have a slightly elevated heart rate and you're going to use local anesthesia. So put together some strategies to just remove the epinephrine from that scenario so that you don't have any kind of reactions or complications. So anytime you can minimize the occurrence of an issue, you want to proceed in that direction. Each one of you participates in one series of being QA, through each one of your clinic rotations. And the purpose of this is for you to kind of get to understand the quality assurance program. And to me, the best way to learn a quality assurance program is to just live it, right? So you're doing chart audits. And really the purpose of a quality assurance program is to assess the way that patients are being cared for and the documentation that's taking place when you're doing quality assurance, you are not under the gun or pressure of time. So it gives you kind of a a different perspective and a calculated look at the patient's chart when you're not running around doing a bunch of other things. So this is a, a system that you put into place in your office and this is a risk management system, your quality assurance program. And it's a continually collected way of analyzing patient's information. And you wanna have specific standards and things that you're looking for in your charts. And when they're missing, you wanna make those corrections and note those corrections in the chart, just like you do at NHTI. And because we have a, a multiple number of faculty and students working together, we have that paper system have the faculty uh, complete the quality assurance to close the loop and then we bring it all together. And so this is an example of a risk management system that should be in place in an office. Three parts of a quality assurance program is that it has structure. It's very structured. You know exactly what you're looking for in your patient's charts. There's a process, right? So what you do when you find an error or if something needs a closed loop to it. Maybe you took bite wings on a patient, but there's no notation in the chart that the doctor reviewed the radiographs, right? So what do you do if you discover that during your chart audit? Uh, And then outcomes, you know, um, once a year, once every six months, you review your chart audits and say we had this many errors, we made this many corrections, so your goal is to have fewer and fewer errors over time. And that is really the goal of a quality assurance program it is part of our accreditation process that we have to have a quality assurance program but it is also part of every dental practice that you have to have a quality assurance program and this might be something that you will manage at some point in your office part two of quality assurance is the process right so patient care issues is there a gap in treatment Uh, the technical skills. What are we doing about the diagnosis and treatment? Are we documenting everything appropriately? Are the referral form letters in there? And did we get a referral report back from the referring dentist? So when we refer a patient out and the patient comes back, a report typically comes with them. Can we find that in each one of the charts that there was a referral letter sent out? And did we do follow-up in there? So there's a process through your quality assurance program to be sure that you're going through patient care issues appropriately and the outcomes is your third component of your quality assurance program and the outcomes may be very specific to the office that you're working in what are the goals what are the outcome objectives so for NHTI our goals are to have fewer errors in the chart audit process from clinic three to clinic four because as students, you become more uh, mindful and aware of the specific service codes that you need to have in place in the dental chart. So one of our outcome goals is to have fewer uh, errors in clinic four than we have in clinic three so that we see that there's improvement in the quality assurance program. So for offices, most of the improvements are Do we have an improvement in oral health for our patient populations? Because we have a system that makes sure that treatment is timely, that follow through is performed, that documentation is there, that services are being rendered, and that follow-up care has been provided. Is there an improvement in oral health and general health? And that's really the goal of a private practice or public health quality assurance program. You're closing the loop on treatment and services that patients need. The two accepted strategies that will minimize risk related to providing dental services, documentation, 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 and communication. You want to communicate situations to your patients. And having good communication and documentation are the two strategies that work the best at minimizing risk. The greatest problem in communication is the illusion that it has been accomplished. And that is so true if you really think about it. Be sure that you ask things of your patient after you present information. Ask uh, a repeat, so what you're saying is, right? So you wanna make sure that when your patient asks questions that you understand what they're communicating and that you're answering their questions in a way that they understand. This will really go a long way at helping you Manage risk. So, one of the ways you personally can manage risk is to stay current in your profession. Be part of your professional association to have support of others. You want to always comply with the state laws and rules. This will definitely go a long way at minimizing your personal risk. And maintain good relationships with the employers and your coworkers so that you have a support system when things arise. I would invite you to ask any questions at all that you need answered. Sometimes questions come up when you're listening to this podcast. If you have a question, most likely someone else has the very same question. I'd be happy to answer it and would probably share it in a future podcast.